down from her high and lifted up position. Are y'all ready to hear more about the love? Well, that's three people. What I think the rest of you would like to join us tonight. Anybody in here ready to hear about the love of God? You know, someone asks us, how long is this going to go? Maybe till the rapture. Yeah. Um, We've enjoyed doing this, but the more you read, the the more there is. I think God is adding stuff to our Bible as we sleep. And this is a good subject, isn't it? We're going to break away from loving just um, your being your being love is patient, your being love is kind. I didn't even bring a copy of that book, did you? The love book. We're bad, aren't we? What book? We have the book. We have the book. So we are going to get away from that. I have something on my heart real strong that the Lord's showing me to do. It has to do with the love of God. It actually does. So we're going to dive in. Are you ready to pray? Father God, as we get in the Word tonight, I'm asking you to lead us and guide us. And if I had a one, one prayer, it would be that we're the most loving church in a city. And I, I believe that we're chasing that dream pretty good right now, but I think we can increase it. I pray for lost people. I pray for people that are out there that don't know you, that come out of darkness to light, people who need the Word of God that would come in, and that you would lead us and God show us how to do this, this thing called take a city in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, get your Bibles out and go to Ephesians chapter 3, and I'm going to kick it off. They asked me what the title is. The title's the same, Love Number. So we're going to have to start calling it Love Potion Number. Number 9. Love Number 9. So I started off the other day. I was in my, I was, woke up that morning, I was reading the book of Ephesians, and I was reading Ephesians 3, and I was praying the prayer in Ephesians 3. And I want to do that, and then I'm going to read it in the Weymouth, and I'm going to turn it over to Lisa. I want to read this prayer in Ephesians 3.14. For this reason, I bow my knee to the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. She's praying over Christians, in whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, the people in the church, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in their inner man, that Christ would dwell in their heart through faith, and that they would be rooted and grounded in love. And that's where we're going to go tonight. Verse 18, that they may be able to comprehend with all saints the width, length, depth, and height, and to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. Let me finish this. That you would be filled with the fullness of God. Verse 20, to him who's able to do exceeding abundantly above anything we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory. In the Weymouth translation, it says this, and this is what got me. For this reason on bended knee, let me see. I pray that Christ would make his home in your heart through faith and you'd have your roots deep and your foundation strong in love and become mighty to grasp the idea as it is grasped by all saints, the breadth, length, height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. Now, that's a powerful statement. He's talking that the love of God is past natural comprehension. You, You can't grasp agape with your mind. 
And this is one of the reasons why when we read the word love, so often we read over the top of it because we have an American definition of love, but it isn't Bible love. And, and he said, if you'll grasp a comprehension of love, and you have to in order to walk in love. And, and he's praying that you'd have a revelation of something that's not naturally known in your mind. You know, that's a heavy statement. And, I'm, and I, I sit there and I said, Father, I, I want to I know more about the love of God. And, and that led me to um, Mark John Brevere's book. And I want to quote the scripture to you. Um, Psalm 139, 17. Pop that on the screen. Um, and he was talking about the love of God in the book, The Awe of God. I'm sure you'll get to it. Okay, that's all right. But he makes a statement in, in Psalm. Um, so turn in your Bibles to Psalm 139. Go to 139. There we 17. go. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God? Are your thoughts about me? Another translation is about me. How great is the sum of them? Keep going. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Now, now let's ask a question. Does God lie? He doesn't. Does he exaggerate? Yes. Now, think about a bucket from Daytona Beach of sand. How many grains of sand do you think are in that bucket? Several hundred thousand in a bucket. If I thought about Lisa that much, that would be probably one good thought about every couple of minutes for the rest of my life. And that would be a good husband. Yeah, amen. Well, we're not talking about a bucket. We're not talking about Daytona. We're talking about from the Keys to New York, around the Gulf of Mexico, and the Sahara Desert. And if God isn't lying, he's thinking about you all the time. That's why I believe the love of God is in the natural, not able. It's, it's hard to fathom just how much he loves you. And I'm going to read another scripture. And I'm trying to, sh I want to go to show you how much he loves you because I don't believe personally that we're going to love beyond what we've received. I believe we have to grasp that love in order to love. Amen. And that's where I'm going tonight. That's, we're going to go down this road. So go to Romans 3. Go to Romans 3. I got somewhere I'm going, and you'll see it in a moment. I'm very strategic. Romans 3. There's a scripture we do not read a lot in charismatic circles. Starting with verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks. They're all under sin. Now, I know that we're talking about a sinner. And we were. And as a sinner, this is you. There is none righteous, no, not one. None understands. None is seeking God. They have all turned aside. Together became unprofitable. 
There is none who does good, no, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. Their tongues, they have practiced deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips. Their mouth is full of bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. And there is no fear of God before their eyes. Now that is you before you got saved, even if you have never had the, 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 the character to admit it. You were Satan in body. That's what you were. When it says here there is none that seeks God, do you understand he found you? You, you didn't find him. And everything that you have now was 100% mercy because God is good. So it certainly wasn't you. And, and I think as long as we, you know, I think that in American churches there's a little bit of God took us from being good to better. And take you, he took you from rotten and gave you everything that you are. And so I began, to, I began to think about the book, 23 Minutes in Hell. You and I were so bad that if we spent eternity burning in hell, it would be okay. That's what he got hold of when he got a hold of you. That's a lot of love. For God so loved, he came here. He came here looking for people. When he came, he was rejected. You know, it's hard for us to even imagine the fact the world was so mean they killed a perfect man. I mean, they certainly don't like you. And we live in a very, very mean world. But there's the thing here that we're going to go tonight. God loves people. God loves people. Amen. One more time. God loves people. God loves people. All right. Go ahead. Yeah. So John 3, 16, if you think about it, we say it and we kind of say it flippantly and fast. For God so loved the world. He was patient with them. He was kind. Uh, Ephesians 2, 4 says he was great in mercy and extended that love and compassion to us wherewith he loved us. God who is what? Rich in mercy. Because of the great love with which he loved us. So God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So now he is expecting us as his sons and daughters to love the world. Mm -hmm. Not just the Christians, not just your brothers and sisters. But I'm talking about people that are mean and nasty and ugly and that are without God. God so agapied the world. With unconditional love. Not just us. None of us. It says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so if he can love the world before they became his, then he's expecting us to love the world, the people of the world. One of the things a sinner is not accustomed to, and that's a nice Christian. That's a nice Christian, quote, unquote. Lisa and I deal with Christians a lot. And occasionally we run into the pharisaical ones. And understand that we agree that people should live right. 
loving people and not liking the way they act is two different things. But your attitude toward them as a person mm. is what makes what you're saying. In other words, you can, you can preach, do something with your earrings. You look like an idiot. And you feel the love in my heart right there, didn't you? You just felt the love in my heart. <laughs> but around us today, we've got people that are not saved. They are lost. And God loves them. Yes. And it's, sometimes you have to look. I'm not talking about compromise. That's, compromise is not love. You, you and I are to stay on truth if you care. So I'm Amen. going to read a scripture that is rarely read in church. It should be. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We read 17 here all the time. But I want to read 18. Now all of this is of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus and given to us. Wow. Didn't say the pastor. Didn't say Jonathan Shuttlesworth. Us. Didn't say Mark. Come on, y'all. I knew y'all would get real excited. We're going to get real excited. Say us. Us. Uh, we, we go places and we meet people. You meet people I will never meet. I will never meet them. That's true. I'll never see them. I'll never know them. Mm -hmm. But God has strategically put you in places, given you jobs some of you don't like, you want a better one. There aren't better ones. There's different ones, but there's not better ones. <laughs> there's different ones. That's true. Because everywhere you go, different. sinners are there. Not better. And then there's Christians there. Then there's backslidden Christians there. Then there's liars there. Then there's... Iterable You're just not going to... While you're on the earth, you're just not going to get away from that. All right. That's true. So get happy in your skin, wherever you are. All right. Now, now here, this, this scripture impacted me greatly when I, when I got, first got saved. Uh, uh, all of this is of God who reconciled me, Daryl Morgan, to himself through Jesus, had mercy, and gave me the exact same ministry that he has, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not, not imputing. imputing their trespass to them, and committed to us the same word of reconciliation. It does no good for Zach to come into the church smoking dope and bring it up. He's a sinner. What he needs is Jesus. Amen. If he stops smoking dope and goes to hell, what good is that? If he quits drinking and goes to hell, what good is that? So the thing that Zach needs, the thing Amber needs, the thing that Lisa needs, the things that, listen, the things that Robert needs, what we need, what the world needs is Jesus. The world needs Jesus. And they need, they need to be introduced to Jesus, and God is love. Now, we're going to get into compromise here in a minute. But in other words, our job when we're out and about is to be looking for the people that the Lord would have us minister to. Now, understand something. I, I'm not a door knocker. Do not take me witnessing door to door. Well, y'all are quiet. Because I'm not going. 
I think it's the most unnatural. You're going to heaven or hell. You're bothering people. You're just bothering them. But, but, you all have work, acquaintances, friends, family, and they come to you all the time. And they complain all the time. What is complaining? It is a request for prayer. You're just not going to know how things are going today. Sit down. Like Jesus did on the side of, the, side of a well with a woman caught in adultery, not, not adultery, but had God knows how many husbands, five husbands, and took an interest in her, her as a person. Amen. And, she's got, and, he's, and he's in a conversation with her, talking about water, talking about eternal life, talking about all kind of stuff. And she's like, why are you even talking to me? Okay, we can go down that road. I don't want to go down. But anyway, she ended up meeting the Messiah and going to get the whole town born again, saved, and all because he just sat down with a person. The people, now, now understand this. It is an inconvenience. But the reason you're not inconvenienced is because you are selfish. Yeah. That's true. That is true. Now, I'm not saying that to be ugly. I'm saying that because all the, 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 the 18 hours every day you're spending on yourself has, has got you nowhere. You're just going through life racking up nothing. You're, you're taking a cup and emptying the ocean by running it down to the lake and dipping it. In your life, you're just in a hamster. In a, you're running in a cage. You could actually do something important. Amen. Like, Heavenly Father, when I go to work today, and I'm not talking about knocking on their desk either. There's enough of it that they're talking to you that you have more than ample opportunity to say, I want to hear what you have to say. That would be, most people won't do it. Because you're already like, I don't really need to hear all your crap. I have enough of my own. But when you're sitting there and they're talking and you're listening, you might be the only person that's ever listened to them. They don't. The reason they're running off at the mouth, they don't have answers. And I'm not asking you to be God. But I'm asking you to point them. They're to talk about their kids and Talk about their marriage, and the bottom line is you can't fix it. I was talking to Rosa the other day, if you don't mind me saying this. I said, Rosa, quit feeding the people in Honduras and give them Jesus. You can't feed everybody in Honduras. Give them Jesus and let him feed them. Quit being people's God. They sit down with them and they say, well, my kids are this and my kids are that and, and my family's this and my husband, oh, my God. You say, well, let me hold on a minute. Let's, you don't care if I pray for you. 99% of the time they'll say yes. The first time you pray for them. The second time you make them pray. Say, I'm going to lead you in prayer. Are y'all listening? You say, but I did that and nothing happened. That's not true. 
let me tell you something. You're giving them the word of God doesn't mean they're going to grab it the first time they hear it. They might hear it for the next one, two, three years before they finally go, you know, I went home and thought about what you said. And so when you're done praying with them, write them a scripture. They don't read their Bible. Don't, re- don't give them 25 scriptures. Stop. Give them one. Give them one on mercy. Give them one on the love of God. Give them one on how much God, God cares about you. And leave it with them and say, you know, today we're going to cast your cares on the Lord. And I'm going to give you scripture because he cares about Romans 8. We're, we're going to give you, if, if God is for you, if he gave you Jesus, he, he'll care about you. And then pray for him. And that, that's, um, you don't need to go on. But that's love. I'm going to say it one more time. Now you're loving what God loves. Amen. And that is loving God. So I think we should go back to three ni- uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 19, Tracy. Throw that up on the screen for them. That is, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us what? The word, the word. And pastor will say this, and, and we're coming to this, but basically it's not enough just to be nice and sweet to people. Like, I'm nice to them. I prefer them. I defer to them. No, he says he's given us the word of reconciliation. God wants us to open our mouth and love the people through our words, through our voice. Verse 20 says this, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. That's a representative of another kingdom, of another nation, of another state, of another country. That's just what an ambassador. So we represent the kingdom, the country of heaven as though God were what? Pleading through us. What is a plea? A plea comes through your voice. A plea comes through your mouth. A plea comes through words. God, we're pleading through us. It's as though God, God is not talking to them necessarily out of his own voice. He wants to use He's talking to the them through your voice. ambassador's voice. We beg you, we, that's what implore means. We beg you. We plead with you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. Come back to God. All right, this morning, Lisa and I were having coffee, and she brought up, we sat down the other day to come home from, where were we last? Tulsa. Tulsa. Where was I? We were in Tulsa. And then we're on our way home. And, of course, Lisa gets this lady sitting next to her. And next thing I know, I hear Lisa. And she might have, she is preaching a storm. And she is, this lady and her are going out. I think it was good. It was not, she, she, she threw questions at Lisa for, what, an hour, an hour. And she had all these questions. And she had a friend that her went to Rama, and I have these issues, and Lisa's just talking to her and talking to her and talking to her. At the end of it, she looked at Lisa and said, my God, you have really helped me. She said, you, now I'm going to tell you a little bit about me. I won't spend a long time, but when I am on an airplane, I like to, especially if I'm sitting next to my husband or I'm sitting next to the window, I like to go to sleep. I just, 
it is, I just like to rest. I like to rest. And so I go to sleep or I rest. I never sleep. I can hear everything, but I like to rest. And so I'm in the middle. So I'm caught between two people. So I like to lay my head on my, my husband's shoulder and just close my eyes Put and, your and rest. head on my shoulder. <laughs> Sometimes, and it happened this time, and it hasn't happened. Nice airplane ride. It hasn't happened in a while, but it happened this time. Never get on a plane dehydrated. So towards the end of us coming down, it takes us about 20, 30 minutes to, to descend from 30,000 feet. You know, I started feeling really sick and dizzy. And, and she's still firing questions at me. And I'm like, God, have mercy on me. And I'm just looking straight ahead. And I, I haven't felt that way in a long time. But one of the reasons, one of the things that helps me sleep, you know, I, I'm not spending a lot of energy. Anyways, the bottom line is that was me loving her for God, because that is not my personality to want to run my mouth for one solid hour she's a on an airplane. <laughs> she's a psychologist. She doesn't read her Bible. She's a Christian, doesn't read her Bible, doesn't go to church, doesn't understand. She, you know, she's not doing what God told her to do, but she has issues with the church. And so God just gave me the words to give her, just one after another. I gave her the word. I gave her the Bible, and she's like, how do you know so much? I'm like, well, I read my Bible. I actually read the book God gave us. And, she's, and, I, and I said, and of course, she's, she's asking all these questions. And I'm, I mean, I'm talking questions like, like, I work for FEMA. I am a psychologist. I like to collaborate with the church. Why does the church reject me? Why do they not collaborate with me? I'm trying to help people just like, like they're trying to people. I don't like your governor, Ron DeSantis, because I mentioned something about I'm proud of our governor, Ron DeSantis. And she says, I don't like him. But you know what? That's okay. I'm okay to disagree with you. She was very agreeable. But she let me know where she was, and then she kept asking me questions. And one after another, and I gave her the word, and I gave her the scripture. And I said, you know what? The problem with people in the church is that they don't rightly divide the word of truth. They pick scriptures out of context. And number two, they don't even read their Bible. So the things they're telling you, they're getting from, they're, they're, they're just parroting from someone else or some person else that they heard. So I started giving her scripture. She's like, oh, I got to write this down. First Corinthians 7, I talked to her about marriage. I talked to her about abuse. I talked to her about mental psychology, psychiatrics, drug pushers. I talked to her about all this stuff about you can't medicate a devil, you know, just everything. You know, sometimes when someone is coming at your heart, but they're not, they're not being mean, they're, they're wanting answers, but they won't. Well, you need some breath to be able to give some answers. You know, you have to, you have to throw out one-liners that shock them and gives you a chance to speak. And she wasn't really like that, but she was a great woman. I mean, she was really a great woman. And so I just answered all her questions, everything from why, why did your governor not let FEMA come into your state? I mean, I'm, we're talking about, we're talking about, I'm not the governor, but, you know, she's, she's like penalizing Ron DeSantis. And I'm like, let me tell you. I mean, God was giving me answers. I said, let me tell you why Ron DeSantis did not like let FEMA come in and help during this last hurricane. She says, because I'm a part of FEMA, and I could have given a lot of money to a lot of people on the beaches there, and I could have restored a lot of places. And I said, the reason Ron DeSantis did not let FEMA enter the state is because with government money comes chains. 
comes attachments, comes qualifications. And she said, you're absolutely right. So the point Lisa was making so, there was the word. So I'm going to make another amen. statement. We gave to her the word and a lot of I'm other I'm going to make another <laughs> statement to you. You say, I couldn't do what Lisa did. Yes, you can. But it has never been important to you to help other people, mm. and that's why you don't know how. That in itself is selfish. That's good. Me, me, me. Me, me, me. Me, me. This is what we deal with in church, me. But yet, there has to come a day when you stop worrying about take no thought for your life. Stop trying mm -hmm. to fix your life and do what Jesus told you to do. Yeah, amen. Start helping fix God, somebody listen, else. God can take amen. care of your money. God can take care of your health. Yeah. God will take care of a lot of stuff that you're trying to fix if you just do what he said. When you pour love out of you yes. is when that love comes back. You need love. You need to give love. Amen. You need to be able to help people who don't know, and you need to start thinking with your head, what am I going to do? If I run into someone who doesn't know the Lord, can I lead them to the Lord? Do I know enough to help someone who's lost? And if you don't, why don't you? Why are you spending four years in college on a degree that by the time you get out, the books are old? But this one isn't. Why are you spending your time doing something that when you die, you leave it here and not taking what you can take with you as people? In other words, prioritizing our life to be used of God is love. Is love. Amen. Where love without action, there, if there's no action to your love, there is, it doesn't matter love is in your heart. It's worthless if you're not lifting someone else. There are people out there, you, you have forgotten more Bible yeah. than most preachers know. And you don't know nothing. I don't know nothing. But I know more than most. So I'm using what I know. And Father, today... Use me. And I'm, not, I'm not going out and knocking everybody's death. There's enough of them coming into our life for us to slow down and go, Father, is this, is this a divine appointment? Yeah. And Lisa said to me, I recognized right then that the Lord had, God is like, I got this is a little daughter of mine. She's praying. Mm -hmm. And he starts maneuvering them mm -hmm. to be with you. Yeah. Because he, and all of a sudden you realize I'm right in the middle of a divine appointment Amen. right this minute. Amen. And I'm not saying that you need to know everything, but when you start studying whatever you know, you can sh God will use you to share it. If you know first grade, he'll bring first graders to you. And by the time you get to second, he'll bring second graders to you. And he's not going to bring a college student to you. You're a second grader. But, you know, he'll start using you where you are. And that, and I know this sounds like I'm beat, that in itself is love. So ask yourself right now, how many people 
are, are walking with God today because of last week or last month? How many people have you actually sat with and ministered to them? Now, we're not, I'm not talking about taking their monkeys. No, we'll talk about that. We're, we need to get on the don't take their monkeys. In other words, we'll get that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The truth is, is that this is not as hard as you think it is when it's giving love to people. The truth is, is that many times God, God will send you someone, especially if you pray. Lord, is there anyone today you want me to talk to? It's not like knock on doors, pushing stuff in. Nobody wants to talk to your CEO. Actually, many times the people that God sends me is that they just start talking. They start talking. It's not like me. Um, if you were to die tonight, do you know where you'd go, heaven or hell? You know, it's not like that. They start just barreling questions at me. And one thing that, that she said at the very end, she said, after talking to you, you have stirred me to get back into church and to renew my relationship with the Lord. Why? One of the main things that I say, because she is a psychologist by nature and helps people, and she said, when I come in the church, why don't they collaborate with me? And they, it seems as though they reject me and my services. And I said, do you want to know why? She said, yes. I said, not because they don't love you or not because they don't care that you want to help people like they do. But one thing they do know, even though they don't know everything, they know that we were created from God. God is spirit and we are spirit. And we have a mind, will, and emotions, and we live in a body. So they focus in on the root problem of all problems is spirit. And if you don't go to the root, you're just medicating And so she's like, oh, wait a minute. Okay. So I said, you're dealing with the mind. You're dealing with behavioral through the mind, through positive reinforcement, through positive thinking. That can help to a point. But if they don't get the root cause and who they are in Christ and what their identity is, what they are spirit. And if they don't get that corrected, they're only half healed. And she said, wow. Okay. I said, it's not that the church doesn't like you. They don't agree with your two being approach when we're a three-part being. You're going to help their soul with, with positive thoughts and drugs. Lady, you can't help anybody. I know what they taught you in school, but you really aren't going to help anybody. And, and so revelation knowledge was flowing all over that plane for her. But God loved her. God loves her. Yeah, God does love her. So, so I want to read another scripture. Pop it up on the screen. Proverbs 24, 11, and 12. Pop it on the screen. I hope this kind of helps you out a little bit. This is a great scripture. Yeah. And, you know, it would it'd be fun. It'd be nice if Christians actually started reading the Bible. They'd find this stuff in there. <laughs> Deliver those who are drawn toward death and hold back those stumbling to the slaughter. Talking to you and me. If you say, I didn't know that. Does he not weigh your heart and consider it? He who keeps your soul, does he not know it? And will he not render each man according to his deeds? You know that people around you are going to hell. And you know you have the word. And he knows you know it. And he said, I want you to quit taking lightly what you have and not sharing it. Because you're afraid of a little persecution. If you're going to walk with Jesus, there's going to be people who don't agree with you. Amen. 
but you need to turn a light on whether anybody likes it or not. That's the biggest problem in church today. We call compromise love. It is not. I'm not talking about cramming Jesus down their throat, but I'm talking about when you have an opportunity to share truth with a person. And I told you this, this Saturday I'm doing a funeral for Sherry Copeland. I don't know her name. Cherie Copeland. I don't know her new name. But Diane called me. She said, preach the gospel. She said, everybody there is going to be a heathen, and I am. I'm going to go and I'm, going to, I'm just going to get up and teach them how I'm going to open up to John 3.16 and, and I'm going to talk about the rich man in hell and I'm going to give an altar call. And folks, I mean, I went to a funeral one time and I got up and, 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 I, and the girl that got, they asked me to do a funeral. The girl was, was stoned and drunk and crashed and, and killed herself and a bunch of girls in the car. But she was a lovely Christian. And I preached to the girls there was probably 50 girls in the church. And I got up and I said, she may have been Christian, but she did not walk with God. And I do not want you to turn out to be like this. If you're a Christian right now, I'm going to ask you to start obeying God. And the mother got mad. Well, you can get mad, darling, but there's not any of these girls going to go kill each other after I leave. Don't shout me down. I did it with kindness. I was there. Yeah, and I, I just, I just, pre- I, I just, can verify preached, it. I just preached Jesus to him and told him how much <laughs> God loves him. And I told him that, listen, listen, th- this does not have to be your lot in life. And um, it, thank God the girl had, had repented and got right with God, probably got under pressure. The, the night before in a youth meeting, she was there at the altar weeping, and then she went out and got drunk. Well, you, you know, eh, help me, Jesus. I said, that doesn't, ha- listen. That's not, that's not Christianity. I said, God is a merciful God. He's a good God. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but this ends here tonight. You girls, this stops. There won't be any other girls dying in car wrecks of overdoses of drugs. And, 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 and I prayed with the girls. That, well, the mama got mad. You just, you, you know, I'm not going to make a saint. I preach Jesus, not your daughter. Can you not have respect for the dead? I mean, I No, I said, we have respect for the living so they do not go and be dead. <laughs> I had a girl came into church one time, and I was preaching on girls. I said, if, if you had an abortion, God's forgiven you. But as of right now, um, abortion is murder. This girl comes up. She said, you, you, you just made me feel so bad. And I said, why did I make you feel bad? She said, well, I had an abortion. And you brought up the memories of that. And you just, it hurts for you to preach like that. I said, honey, are you forgiven? She said, I am. I said, do you want the rest of the girls in here to not have abortion? She goes, yeah. I said, then let me do my job and get over your sin. Don't tell me to quit preaching truth because it bothers your past. Amen. You know, as we were reading on Proverbs twenty four eleven, it says, "Hold back, hold you, hold them back, hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter." Many people get off track; they get off the path, and they're stumbling. That means they're blindly heading on the highway to hell, and he's wanting you to hold them back. So Rick, Rick that's, that's love. Rick Renner wrote a book on the last days, and uh, I have it at home. It's a 
several of his books, but he said one of the things that we're dealing with now is truth has fallen in the streets. People no longer preach truth. They no longer honor truth, and it's only the truth that will set a man free. Uh, I'm going to read another one to you in Ezekiel 3, 16. Now it came to pass at the end of seven days the word of the Lord came to me and said, Son of man, I made you a watchman over the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word of my mouth and give a warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you will surely die. And you give him no warning nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life. That wicked man will die at his iniquity and his blood I will require it at your hand. Thank you. That is love. I know that doesn't, I, I'm not talking about sweetness. We're talk, we've got to go past sweetness. And we're not talking about hellfire. We are talking about saying, Father, if you want me to say something and minister to someone today who's lost, then open up a door and, and, and give me an opportunity. The guy, and I'm going to ask Lisa this because I can't remember their name. Remember the the TV program of the two Christians that did the house remodels and they, they yeah, kicked them the, off the, the air. Twi- the twin brothers. It wasn't the... Or they were brothers, though. No, no, no. Not, not the woman and the man. No, no. They there, were actually twin brothers. There was another one, and because they were Christians, the, the TV network kicked them off the air. And so... Before, Chip. So right before they were kicked off the air... One of the boys that worked for them that was a homosexual came to the two of them and said, why are they getting rid of your program? And he said, well, because we're Christians and we don't support homosexuality. Well, no, just because they prayed at the dinner table with the people they were remodeling the house for. No praying on set. The the TV station didn't like that. Mm -hmm. So the boy that was gay asked him, he said, well, I'm gay. Am I going to hell? And he said, you are. And he said, let me, he said, where is that? He said, I'll show you. First Corinthians 6. And he took him over there and read it to the boy. And the boy said, I don't want to go to hell. He said, said, I don't want that to be me. How do I escape hell? He said, well, you need Jesus. And he prayed with the boy. That's not mean. Listen to me with all of my heart. I'm not talking about being mean to people. You queer. Right. Amen. No, 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 no. You say, well, they want us to be woke. I woke up when I, I, I'm awoke. <laughs> I woke up and Jesus when raised saved, from I the dead. When I got saved, I woke up. <laughs> but at work, when I worked at Weber and Tucker, they would say, Morgan, they were going to put, we're so tired of hearing about Jesus. And, but if you ask me a question and I answer your question, Mm-hmm. You asked me the question. Yeah, amen. And Jonathan, and I think it was Jonathan, he opened a Bible in front of him, and he said, I want to read this to you. Do you not know, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, covetousness, covetous, drunkards, revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. He says, such were some of you, 
but now you are washed, you're sanctified, you're justified by the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our, our God. And, and the boy said, the young man said, I, I, I don't want to be in that lot. I don't want to be in that lot. He said, so let's repent of sin and let's get born again. And he led them to the Lord before they went totally offset. Amen. Amen. That's, that's them. That's him using his word. That's love. Open your mouth. Can I tell a story about the two boys that I witnessed two years ago? Or sure. you want to wait? You, no, no, no. So, you, you know, God understands. He understands that you're, you're growing in him. And so years ago, this is a great story, but years ago, I was very conscious of myself in the sense of what if I don't say it quite right? If God gives me an opportunity, what if I don't say it right? What if I turn them off? What if I, 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 of course, I see that now. But what if I just, what if I cause them to just not hear, blah, 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 right? And so God overlooks that when you're young in the faith, but he still knows you want to, to tell someone about Jesus. I was flying to Arizona to meet him, and um, the Lord set me, the Lord set me beside two boys. They were 12 and 13 years of age, brothers. And um, I asked him, and I knew the minute I was sitting by them. I knew the minute I was on the window, they were—they actually were brought up to sit on my row. I don't know how they that were worked. They were Mormon boys. But they were Mormon boys. I found that out later. And all of a sudden, they just warmed up to me. They were playing um, um, Game Boy. And, of course, I started talking to them about my sons. They were my son's ages at that time. And they just warmed right up to me. Plus, they liked the fact that I was sitting by the window, and they wanted to, to bend over me and look out the window every once in a while. And so this was their first time on an airplane, and uh, 12 and 13, and I knew my heart started beating inside my chest. I knew God had opened up a door. There's no parents around, nobody to shut me up, and I knew God had opened the door. And um, I asked a little bit about their background when we left our mother. She's in Georgia, and now we're flying out to our dad in Utah, Salt Lake City. I'm like, ah, and so I started asking a little bit about their life and would they go to church. Yeah, we go to the Mormon church out in Salt Lake City. And, uh, but, you know, sometimes we go with our mom when we're in Georgia to a Baptist church. I'm like, oh. So anyways, I talk to them. I get friendly with them. I really get to know them. And they get very comfortable with me. And finally, the Lord inside me spoke and said, just ask them. The, the, the flight is almost over. Just ask them. Do they know me? And I'm like, okay. So I said, okay, guys, let me ask you a question. And I didn't say if you were to die tonight. I said, but if this plane were to crash right now, let me ask you a question. Do you know for sure that you would go to heaven? They're like, we hope so. I said, would you like to know for sure that if this plane crashed right now, that you would end up in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ and with God the Father? They said, yes. And I opened up, uh, I guess they let me read their Bible or look at their Bible. They had one in their backpack. And actually, I think I found John 14, 6 in there. I mean, there was Brigham Young and all this other crud at the end of the Bible. But, hey, John 14, 6 was still there. I said, let me show you something in your Bible. Ah, oh, have you ever read this? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but through me. And they're like, nope, we never read that. I figured they wouldn't. So I said, let's pray a prayer and let's ask Jesus to come into our heart. And I told him of the sacrifice 
and what he did for them. He like, wow, he did that? I just told him a simple message, but they were open to it. And I led them to the Lord, both of them right there. Well, we're starting the descent. Airplane's getting hot. I'm starting to feel sick. And so I'm looking out the window, and then all of a sudden, I get sicker and sicker and sicker. I'm believing God. I'm thanking God. No, I'm not going to throw up. This would be horrible. This you would be. You notice how often she talks about being sick when she's in an airplane? Yeah. Anyways. That's why I quit flying her around. She goes. Anyways. Maybe I need to take Dramamine or something. I don't know. So anyways, the boys start leaning over me. And they like to see the descent. They start seeing Utah. They start seeing the land, the salt flats. And they are both leaning in my lap, looking out the window. And I feel so sick. Well, about the minute right before wheels touch, I had to move the boys literally off me. But they'd already given their hearts to Jesus, so I was good. And I grabbed the, the, the barf bag and... The minute I grabbed that barf bag, they both, eyes wide open, (laughs) eyes on me, and I just threw everything up in that barf bag, and then I rolled it up, and they're just silent but big eyes, and my face is white and ashen now as we touch wheels on the ground, and the boy sitting right next to me and said, wow, (laughs) we've never seen someone use a barf bag on a plane. (laughs) Actually, this was not their first flight. I'm sorry. They said, we have flown back and forth to mom and dad's, and we've never got to see somebody use a barf bag. You're the first one. I'm glad that I could accommodate you. And when everyone stood up, and I'm like, well, yeah, I said that. Well, I'm glad I could make you happy. You know, I'm still not feeling that great. Everyone stood up, getting their suitcases. The boys stood up. I stayed seated. I don't know why I put her on the side where the window is. <laughs> I get in the aisle where I can run if I need to. So guess what happens? The boy right next to me, he stands up and he reaches back into my seat. And he said, Mrs. Morgan, may I take your bag? I'll throw it away on the way out. And he took my bag and he walked down the aisle with it and threw it in the trash on the way out. What a great story, right? Yeah, barf and all. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but the point that she was trying to make between barfs was that, she, that, you know, be open. Be open when God wants to use you. Now, because we passed her, we're not in the same position we were that you are in. But when I worked secular jobs, I will tell you, I led people to the Lord quite often at work. It, it, listen, if you're a light, I'm not, I, I, if, I'm, if you're a light, people will talk. They will ask you questions. If you'll answer them and give them truth, it's very easy to get many of them born again. Okay? And you should. Okay, I'm going to read something now because I want to show you how this is done. You say, but I haven't really led a lot of people to the Lord. John 6, 44. No one can come to me unless the Father sent me, draw him. And I'll raise him in the last day. Number one, start praying that God will draw them to himself. You need the help of the Holy Ghost on the person you're talking to. If you're talking to them and they're not interested, it is because no one is praying for them. But the moment, see, remember what I told you? You didn't come to God. He found you. 
The way God reaches out to people is he uses people like you because you're alive unto God. He prompts your heart. So-and-so needs prayer. This person needs some prayer. That person needs some prayer. Start with prayer. Don't start with Heavenly Father, I'm right now I'm going to go down there and talk to him, and I'm going to ask you to get him saved in Jesus' name. No, no, no. Just start off by praying over your office, praying over their names. Take them before the Lord and say, you said, I'm asking you, begin drawing them now in the name of Jesus. Begin talking to them about heaven and hell. Talk to them about Jesus. Talk to them. The Holy Spirit in John 6, uh, 16 said that the Holy Spirit will, will do these three things. To a sinner, not to a, to a sinner. Talk to him about the devil. Talk to him about righteousness. Talk to him about, and those people will start having questions arise in their soul, and that's when the door will open up for you. Then the next thing is you need to ask God for an opportunity where it's quiet and you can sit and share with them. Yeah. Do not become discouraged if they don't bite the first time you share. Some, listen, sometimes that, that ground is hard. It needs plowing. They need word. They need love. They need word. They need love. If, if you get a hold of a Jehovah Witness, it's going to take you a year to get them saved. You, the, the, more, the more ignorant and dumb they are and the more religious they've been, the tougher the cookie to crack. Because they've been taught wrong. Unlearning is, is much more difficult than just get them when they don't know nothing. Amen. You get kids in children's church, you get them born again, filled with the Holy Ghost and on fire for God in five minutes. And then you come in here, it's a different story. Some people have to I will, I will tell years. you this, everyone responds to love, no matter who they are. Christian, non-Christian alike. Everyone needs love. There's a God-sized void in everyone that only God's love can fill. And you're the key to that. You're the one that carries the ammunition. You're the one that carries what they need. Give it to them, even if it's in small doses. All right. Now, I want to do this with Lisa. Go to Ephesians 6, 1 through 5. and um, Galatians 6. Galatians. I wrote Ephesians 6, I 1. I know. We're here. good. We got it. Okay. You did? Mm-hmm. You're a good lady. I changed it for I'll you. invite you back next week when right. I do this. <laughs> Galatians 6, and I want to read this to you because this is one of the reasons why you don't want to witness. Do not take their care. That's good. Don't walk around with their problems on you. That's true. Again, you are not God. So how do you rightly divide? Lisa went to a meeting, and I may let her tell you a little bit about it we got about 10 minutes left, where they taught her, don't take people's monkeys. People are constantly walking up to us and you and saying, I have this problem and giving it to you. No, you're not giving me your problem. I will pray with you. I will believe with you. And when I walk away, I'll sleep tonight because I'm not going to walk away. I'm not going to carry... The thing you took you 30, 40, 50 years to screw up, I'm not going to let it wreck my day. And that doesn't mean I don't care. Okay, I'm doing real good. Y'all excited. Let me look at Galatians 6. My brethren, if anyone's overtaken a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such one, the spirit of gentleness. Don't agree with their sin. Consider yourselves lest you be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. 
If anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Let each one examine his own work, and he will have rejoicing in himself alone, not another. Each one bear their own load. What is that a contradiction? It is not. The literal Greek says, bear one another's heavy burdens. Let each man carry his own light load. Do not take other people's responsibility on your shoulder. Do not take whether they saved or not on your shoulders. You take the load of giving them Jesus. You take the load to offer them help. And pray. But if they don't Mm -hmm. want it, you walk away and don't run around acting like you have become a failure. People have a will. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I don't know why, and I say this, and, and I say this because we have Barbara in here and, and Betty and other people. When they come into the Monday night prayer meeting, people walk in there with a load and dump it in their, everybody's lap and pray me through this. No. I, sit with me, and I'll teach you how to pray yourself through it. Because when I get up from here, I got other things to pray about, and I won't pray about you anymore. Pray for me. No. Oh, boy. Y'all are loving One of the hardest lessons I had to learn, I, was, uh, I wasn't married yet, so I was 18, working for Hollis Chevrolet, 18 or 19, and... Um, Every every couple days, I had to go bring title work into the DMV to the title office for the company. And it seems as though this other young lady my age, she was married, though. Um, she had to bring her from her company. And we struck up conversation. And one of the hardest lessons that I had to learn was not to take the care of what's happening in someone's life. And it's a hard lesson to learn because you start taking it, you start taking it into your soul and, and you think about it all the time and you want to physically go in and rescue that person. But she was, she was, she was being meant, uh, no, she was being physically horribly abused and, and the stuff would show up on her face, on her body. And she would tell me what's happening and, and she would describe the horror of what she was going through. And I'm only 18 years old and I'm like, get out. But I'm afraid that I'll have nowhere to go, that I'll be homeless. I said, living homeless and eating rocks is better than what's happening to you right now. You might find yourself dead if you don't get out. I mean, I had to like just grab her because I prayed and said, now, Lord, I can't carry this and I can't go into this home and shoot this guy because he's horrible, you know, but the reason people don't like to minister to people is because they think they have to carry all their burdens. You and don't you have don't want to. want witness because you think you're supposed to carry their load for them. You don't have you, to. You, no, you do not. You pray and you let the Spirit of God and trust the Spirit of God to move in the situation that you're praying over. But that person at some point needs to go, I'm going to heed your word. I'm going to run for my life and get out. But that's why God's placed you there, and um, we don't have to carry their pain, even though we feel their pain. We are there with them, but when you go home at night, you cast the care of it on God, and you start thanking him for moving and helping that person. You know, Peter walked by the gate that Peter prayed for the guy many times. Many times. Jesus never prayed for that guy. 
You have to be led by the Spirit of God on what you're doing. i got to stand up. We've been sitting so long. you got to be led by the Spirit of God. But if you say, I'm led by the Spirit of God, and I don't talk to nobody, eh, probably not. Um, just, just learn to help people. Give them, Lisa said it a while ago, give them the word. If you don't know it, just say, I don't know the answer to that. I'll get back with you. And give them the word of God. But they need to be responsible to pick up their own Bible. If they're babies, they're going to be a baby. Do you understand that? And you might need to carry them, call them on the phone, see how they're doing, care about them to a degree. And after that, there's a certain amount of responsibility. As people get older in the Lord, it's not okay when you've been here in this church 15 years for you to act like a person who just walked in last week. You're not going to get the same attention. People walk in this church all the time, and they want to know me. You, you do not want to know me. <laughs> it That's is funny. not Christianity for you to get to know the pastor. There, there's no way in the world mommy can breastfeed 250 people. Hmm. That is in even, a family. That gave me a horrible mental vision. In, 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 in a family, in a family, kids need to wash dishes, kids need to clothes. That was fold a horrible clothes. mental picture. The kids in the family need to take care of the yard, take care of the dog, take care of the dishes, mm-hmm. and a church should be the same way. There's a lot of people in here for you to get to know. And the church needs to pick up the ministry of that church mm-hmm. and quit turning the man, the, well, you just need to meet my pastor. He can help you. If you've been saved more than five years, you really need to be able to sit down and help him yourself. And, I mean, today at our fingertips, fingertips is, uh, hey, Google, where does it say in the Bible? <laughs> And she'll throw you up a lot of scriptures. But I would like to pray the prayers of Ephesians 3 and us all pray together. Is that okay as we How close? How many of y'all are ready now? I got a lot more to say. NLT, Tracy, Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. NLT translation. I'd like them to pray that on this big screen. Ephesians 3, verse 14 through 21. There we go. Is that the NLT? Perfect. All right. So let's pray this just exactly as it says ready when I think of all this I fall to my knees and I pray to you father the creator of everything in heaven and on earth I pray that from this his glorious unlimited resources that you will empower me with inner strength through your spirit that Christ will make his home in my heart as I trust in him, that my roots will grow down into God's love and keep me strong. And may I have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May I experience the love of Christ though it is too great to understand fully, then I will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. I'm going to tell you one more story before we go. And I told you this, so I don't want to go into great detail. Right after I got born again, I was introvert and shy. People talked to me. I did not respond. I did not 
I, I just wasn't talkative at all. A guy named Lonnie came up and asked me what I thought of the 700 Club. I said, well, good program. That's about all I said. That night he went home and committed suicide. The Lord had been dealing with me to, to pray with him, but I was afraid. After I saw that, I realized there's nothing I can do for Lonnie. He, he'll, he's in hell and never come out. That's quite, a, that's quite a thing to carry on your shoulder when you realize that he could have gotten saved if I'd obeyed God. You are around people all the time that will get saved, and they will go to hell if you don't start obeying God. Yeah. I'm not saying that to condemn you. I'm just telling you the flat-out truth. It is our responsibility. After that day, I got on my knees, and I said, if you'll forgive me, never one more time in the rest of my life will you prompt me, and I will not stop and share Jesus. Amen. And I will learn how to get people saved. And, and it took that day for me to begin learning. I started with John 3.16. I just started with a simple scripture, learning how to use the Roman road. But that, that's, took, that's taken me where I am today. And I'm, and I'm just asking you, I'm going to give you one scripture. It says, Beloved, if God loved us, we ought to love each other. The mercy he gave you be willing to stop Amen. and go. There's a man right here just came walking in here. I remember when I walked into church, I remember what it was like. So when someone like Zach walks in, someone like Amber comes in, my brain goes back. I remember Amen. what it was like to walk in and to be messed up. Yes. Amen. And God helped me. And I'm going to tell you something. People come in here all the time, and we're doing the best we can. But there's more than just two, three, or four, or five people in this church. This is a big church. This is a good church. And I think it's time for this church to start being more loving. I didn't say just be sweet. Amen. But if you're not giving them the word, you're not helping them. That's good. Just give them the word of God. Amen. I want you to pray this. Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. Show me people. Show me people to pray for. To pray for. Show me people. Show me people to talk to. To talk to. I trust. I trust the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit inside of me. Inside of me to help me. To help me. And what I don't know. And what I don't know. I will learn it. I will learn it. I will not take this. I will not take as this. a burden. As a burden. This will be a joy. This will be a joy. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I've enjoyed every person I've ever led to the Lord. Have there been people that I talked to that went, no, yeah, I don't take the care of it. I'm going to walk around worrying about it all day and do the best I can. I'm a man. I'm not God. But I am available, and I've always been available. I'm, even though I pastor, I'm still a Christian. Amen. Amen. I, I practice the same things I preach. Amen. Amen. When we're out, we're still sharing Jesus everywhere we go. And it isn't because we're pastoring a church. People say to us, how do you know so much? <laughs> I'm a Christian. Amen. We're probably pastoring because of the things we did before we started pastoring. When Lisa and I were dating, we'd go downtown Winter Park, preach to the teenagers. And they'd gather around us, and they would fire questions at us. And they weren't mean. They were good. 
they said, I'm a Catholic, you know, and, and, and I take a rosary, and I, I was baptized as a baby. And I mean, they weren't mean. They were just throwing things at us, and we're giving them scriptures and giving them scriptures. One night we're down there, and after I got through sharing with them, sharing with them, a whole crowd of teenagers started giving Lisa and I a standing ovation on the street preaching. Amen. We it's, it's fun. It's we just, just started loving people with our words. And we still love people. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.